It's officially election season in Texas. Voters will choose representatives for a wide range of offices, mostly at district and statewide levels. We might still be several weeks away from Election Day, but with such a long ballot to prepare for, it's a good idea to start researching and asking questions. We're here to help with that. This is Listen in Lubbock. For Texas Tech Public Media, this is Listen in Lubbock. I'm your host, Sarah Self Walbrick. We're coming up on midterm elections. Voting day isn't until November 8th, but there's still a lot on the ballot this cycle. There's also a lot on Texans' minds as they head to the polls. But beyond issues, many people are looking for information on what exactly they're voting for. That's something Maria Mendez is working to demystify. She's a service and engagement reporter at the Texas Tribune. Maria, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. So the Texas Tribune is answering reader questions ahead of the midterms about elections and the issues Texans are voting on. Maria, tell us more about this effort. Yeah, so we have been working to improve our election coverage by putting voters front and center. And so what that means for us is we're trying to focus on the questions and issues that are coming from Texans as opposed to just letting the politicians set the agenda. I love that. How are y'all soliciting these questions? Since May, we have been discussing elections with our readers through our texting line and through our Facebook group, which is called This Is Your Texas. And then in August, we created a call out, which is kind of like journalists fancy word for a questionnaire, asking people about their questions on the electoral process and their policy priorities. We also asked people what they found confusing or difficult to navigate or understand when it comes to Texas government and politics. And then we shared that questionnaire through our platform, such as our daily newsletter, and also asked a few different interest groups that interact with voters that could be interested in this information to share it as well. So coming from a couple of different places, I love that. What kinds of questions are people asking y'all so far? Many of the questions we received were about voting requirements, such as what types of photo IDs are accepted at the polls. Um, We also got a lot of questions about the new requirement to provide an ID number on both your mail-in ballot and your ballot envelope if you're voting by mail. Others asked us why voting is so hard in Texas, and we also heard from a lot of people who wanted to learn about the effects of redistricting since you know we just redrew our political districts in 2021 based on the 2020 census data. That's interesting. So it really is kind of a gamut of questions that people could be asking about. What do you think that says generally about voter education and engagement in Texas? I think it highlights that people want to participate in the political process, but voting in Texas isn't always very straightforward. And even our readers who are often already interested or engaged in politics have trouble navigating all the rules and deadlines to vote. Other readers told us they struggle to find certain information, such as information on candidates at the local level or for judicial elections. And some of our readers who are new to Texas also pointed out that other states provide 
more resources like extensive guides and background on what will be on the ballot. And other states also give pretty much all registered voters the opportunity to vote by mail. And those are two things that we don't see in Texas. Kind of just throwing this question in there. Have y'all had any response from officials or even politicians who are running this cycle? Any response on this project from folks like that? I don't think we've had a very large response from any politicians or elected officials, but I do think the candidate for the state comptroller of public accounts, Janet Dudding, the Democrat who is running against the incumbent, Glenn Hager, right now, I think she filled out the survey right now. Interesting. I know you are very big on engagement reporting and deeply connecting with your audience. So what would you say your personal goal is for this project? I basically want to make it easier for people to vote um, and especially new voters or people who may not have much experience with politics. As a naturalized citizen, for example, I didn't have much knowledge about the voting process. And so my first time voting was really nerve wracking. So I really just want to help voters feel empowered and confident in making their voice heard. It's time for a short break. When we come back, Maria Mendez from the Texas Tribune will tell us more about the ways the news outlet is answering voters' questions. Stay tuned. You're tuned in to Listen in Lubbock. I'm your host, Sarah Self-Walbrick. We're talking about the November midterm elections. It'll be here before we know it, and voters should do their homework before casting a ballot. The Texas Tribune is trying to help you with that. They're directly answering readers' questions about Texas politics and issues. Maria Mendez is a service and engagement reporter working on this effort. Before the break, she explained what exactly they're doing with this project. Maria, let's switch gears to some of the articles y'all have published as part of this initiative. You had a long one come out recently that I'm sure took a lot of work. So tell us about the Texas office glossary that y'all recently published. Yeah, so we know that elected offices in Texas aren't always what they seem. For example, the Railroad Commission actually regulates oil and gas and coal in the state. And some of the questions we've gotten from readers were about the scope and power of elected officials. So we basically explain the role of statewide elected offices that are a little bit more obscure than, you know, your state representative or a Texas senator. And so we dove into the powers of the governor, the comptroller, land and agriculture commissioners, and also the judges in our top state courts. Those are just a few examples. You mentioned the position of railroad commissioner, which I agree is the one that I think is kind of the most confusing at this point. Was there any other position or office in particular that people had the most questions about? Yeah, I think a lot of people asked us about the attorney general and more specifically, they asked us why our current attorney general, Ken Paxton, who has been indicted for securities fraud, can still serve in public office. 
which was interesting to look at. And basically what we found is that experts like Drew Landry, who is an assistant professor of government for South Plains College, he told us that there's nothing in Texas law that prevents someone from running for office while they're indicted. The state election code only really says that a candidate for public office can't be convicted of a felony unless they have been pardoned or all their rights have been restored. I want to go a little bit deeper on how you put all of this together, because I'm sure it was a lot of research, a lot of talking to folks. Tell me a little bit about, you know, just the process of reporting out that kind of um, glossary. Yeah, I would say it was a little bit of, you know, traditional journalism work of like, getting to interview experts, political scientists, and professors. And then it was also kind of just the work that I do as a voter when I'm getting ready to vote, which is I often go to that public office's website, and if I'm not familiar with it, I'll read about their duties and what they do. It was also looking at candidates' websites, um, which are sometimes surprisingly hard to find. So a lot of just Googling and things like that. So yeah, I think um, I think hopefully this will make the process easier for other people, but I think other people can also partake in this type of research. Absolutely. I know you grew up in Austin and have been a journalist in Texas for several years now, but was there anything that you learned or that maybe surprised you as you were working on that resource? Yeah, I don't think I realized how different Texas is to other states in some regards. So, for example, here the governor appoints the secretary of state who oversees elections. But in many states, the secretary of state is actually elected by voters as well. And we are also one of two states that also have two courts of last resort because the Texas Supreme Court doesn't hear criminal appeals. In Oklahoma and Texas, a separate court of criminal appeals determines those cases. Oh, interesting. I don't think I realized that either. So thank you for sharing what you learned with us. Another very insightful article that has come out of this project was about why there are so many elections in the state. Kind of a basic question, but something we've talked about locally as well. It seems like we're always in some kind of election cycle. So Maria, tell us what y'all found out about why we have so many elections. One of our fellows, Emma Williams, wrote a great story looking into that. And basically what she found was that it stems back to a mistrust of government. And so putting as many offices as possible on the ballot is meant to ensure that citizens have a say at every level of government. That story also looked at voter turnout, which is typically low across the state. We did some reporting on this earlier this summer after the May municipal elections because our voter turnout was so low. The reasons that we found for that, there were a lot of them. I mean, it goes to voter education and just making sure that people know when to vote, things like that. It's also going back to your comments about distrust, people who just feel disenfranchised, feel as if their vote doesn't actually matter. What are some of the other reasons y'all found for why people don't vote? Yeah, so I think part of it is some of the extensive requirements we talked about earlier. And another big factor is that not everyone has the luxury to think about voting and politics. So for example, if you're worried about putting food on the table for your family, 
You may not be as tuned into politics or focused on voting in the next election. You're going to be thinking about how to make ends meet and survive. Absolutely. Maria, how can folks participate in this effort to answer voter questions? Our questionnaire is still up on our website. Um, You can find it by searching on our website, what issues matter most to you this election. And many of our election stories now also have little sidebars with information about how we're trying to cover the elections. And those also have a link to the questionnaire. Or you can always email us at community at texastribune.org. Maria Mendez is a service and engagement reporter at the Texas Tribune who is working to answer voters' questions before the upcoming midterm elections. I'll link to her work and other articles from the Texas Tribune in the web version of today's episode at ttupublicmedia.org. We have to take another quick break. When we return, Ryan Chandler from KMAC News will join us to talk about what's on local ballots. Stay tuned. This is Listen in Lubbock, and I'm Sarah Self-Walbrick. Today, we're talking about the upcoming midterm elections. Before the break, Maria Mendez from the Texas Tribune told us about the ways her newsroom is working to prepare voters. Now we're going to hear more about what will be on Lubbock voters' ballots. KMAX Ryan Chandler joins me in the studio to talk it through. Ryan, thanks for coming in today. Good to be back, Sarah. Thanks for having me. Of course. So let's start with state-level offices. We've heard a lot about the race between Governor Greg Abbott and his Democratic challenger, Beto O'Rourke. But what other positions and candidates should folks know about? Well, the midterm elections are actually my favorite because this is when all of the most important offices in Texas are decided. Of course, we hear a lot of press coverage about the governor's race, but there's been a lot of attention paid especially to West Texas by a lot of other down-ballot races that are just as, depending on who you ask, maybe even more important than the governor's race. Just recently, we had Dan Patrick come to town, the incumbent lieutenant governor, running for another term. Just before him was his Democratic challenger, Mike Collier. That is an incredibly important race. It's a rematch between those two. Mike Collier ran against uh, Lieutenant Governor Patrick back in 2018 and came very close within three points of, of unseating him. That is a, an incredibly important race because Lieutenant Governor is the most powerful legislative state position in the country. Lieutenant Governor Patrick has full control over what bills make it to Governor Abbott's desk. He has full control over which bills the Senate debates and and who sits on the committees that decide those bills. So that is definitely not an election to sleep on. But actually the closest uh, statewide election that I think has actually received relatively little press coverage, even though uh, it's very close, is the race for attorney general between Ken Paxton, who, of course, we know is uh, under in federal indictment for securities fraud and, and FBI investigation for allegations of public corruption and, and bribery, running against a relatively new candidate on the scene, an ACLU attorney from Brownsville, Rochelle Garza. And the most recent polling has her within five to seven points 
of unseating the the two-term incumbent Ken Paxton. That's even a larger gap than she was polling in the beginning of the summer. She was just within two points, according to some polls. So that is uh, a very important race that I think is not getting enough attention. But those are really the top three, governor, lieutenant governor, attorney general, all closer than I think Texas has seen in, in recent years. There are a lot of very interesting dynamics this election season, specifically the lieutenant governor race. I think that's going to be one of the most compelling ones to follow just because, I mean, there's just a lot of really interesting dynamics there from, you know, we've had just in the past few weeks, several Republicans come out in support of the Democratic candidate, Mike Collier. So I think that race is going to continue to surprise us. What about district and more local level elections? What should voters know about those? Well, it's funny. At the local level, there's actually a lot less choice for voters. You know, of course, we have our seats for the Texas House and the Texas Senate up for re-election. Dustin Burroughs in the House, Charles Perry in the Senate. But I guess we should congratulate them on their re-election today because nobody is running against them. You know, one thing I wish uh, more voters realized is that, especially in Lubbock County, the election of consequence is the Republican primary. And that came and went back in March where Burroughs, Perry, and and the new soon-to-be representative, Carl Tepper, who's replacing Representative Frulo's seat, all sailed through the elections. Now they none of them have challengers, so they will all be re-elected. Uh, not a lot of choice on that end, but there are, you know, of course, important local issues specific to, to the city of Lubbock that will be important. So definitely don't sit uh, the local races out either. Yeah, let's talk about... The other local item that'll be on ballots, another road bond. As a reminder, voters rejected a road bond package last year, but that's been revamped and city leaders hope the new proposal is one that voters can get behind. Ryan, catch us up on this situation because it's kind of been a wild ride. Oh, the road bond. Yes, this is about as exciting of a saga as you can hope for from a municipal road bond (laughs) election, right? This dates back a long time. And, and the reason for it is pretty apparent if you've ever driven on Lubbock roads. Essentially, Lubbock has not put a road bond like this on the ballot for nine years now. And driving around the city, you can tell. Lubbock has outgrown a lot of the roads. Others have not been maintained. And we need to make our roads bigger as our city has gotten so much bigger in the last nine years. The city council tried to do that back in November with a $174.5 million road bond that was supported by every person in elected office in Lubbock. Every business and advocacy group was adamantly behind this. The one group that was not for it were the voters. Um, And and I think when they shot down this road bond citing issues of, of cost and the city debt, that shocked a lot of people in city leadership. So they went back to the drawing board And to get us here, they put this issue to a citizens advisory committee of 14 unelected citizens in Lubbock. And they said, draft us a new plan. Give us a a street bond package that will pass. That came and went within the last couple of months. And they ultimately decided to take that plan that the citizens gave them as is and put it on the November ballot. This one is a $200 million road bond that addresses 15 major arteries to repair them, expand them. This includes all the major streets like, you know, Milwaukee, 82nd, 114th, all of those. The one street that it doesn't include somewhat controversially is, of course, Broadway. Which was the reason we heard a lot of voters voted against the 
first Roadbun last year was because of the work on Broadway. So I know that some of the logic here is that maybe by taking that out of the equation, more people will get behind it. From what I'm hearing out in the community, though, I don't know if that's going to work for them. Um, I think this is still going to be a really interesting issue to follow. You're right. The conventional wisdom in City Hall is that Broadway was the sticking point in the last road bond that brought people to vote against it because they thought, you know, as bad as Broadway is, anybody who's driven on Broadway knows it is a bumpy ride. But not enough people go downtown or drive on Broadway nowadays to spend the amount of money that the city wanted to spend to fix it. There were other disagreements about what to do with the bricks. Do you replace them? Do you pave over them? That That is a, a controversial and somewhat emotional issue as far as <laughs> road debates can go. So they said, we'll take it out. We're only going to focus on the these 15 streets in, in all parts of the city. But <laughs> how do I put this? A lot of people didn't cite just Broadway, but the overall cost of the last road bond for the reason that they voted against it. And then they come back, City Hall does, and gives us a road bond that is $25 million more than the last one. The last one was 174 and a half. This one is $200 million. And it's going to cost the average homeowner more per month in terms of the property tax increase than the last road bond did. So I think the city is optimistic this one will pass. They're putting a lot more resources into public education and, and advocacy groups to make sure that it does. Uh, but we'll see. I don't, I don't know if that's a guarantee. There's still some time before Election Day, but there are some important deadlines to meet before then. Ryan, can you give us some of those? When is the last day people can register to vote? Things like that. Yeah, the election might seem far away right now. It's really not. It is seven weeks away. But if you want to vote in that, the time to, to make sure you can is even sooner. The deadline to register to vote is October 11th. That's just, you know, two weeks or so away now. So make sure that you check that you are registered or, or make sure that you get that done through Lubbock County. Early voting starts on October 24th. That runs through November 4th. If you want to vote by mail, the last day to apply for a mail-in ballot is October 28th. And then Election Day will be Tuesday, November 8th. And it'll be here before we know it. Ryan Chandler is a reporter and the host of Talking Points on KMAC News. My guest earlier in the show was Maria Mendez from the Texas Tribune. Thanks to both of them for joining us today. In the web version of today's episode, I'll link to their work and other articles that will help you get ready to vote in November. Find that and other local programming at ttupublicmedia.org. Until next time. Thanks for listening in.